Welcome everyone. I'm Sue Barber, author, former IT director for a Fortune 500 company, turn executive coach, and this is the Visibility Factor podcast, where we explore how to raise your visibility and play bigger at work and in life. We'll explore key topics and welcome guests that help you shift your thinking about yourself so you can see new possibilities for your leadership. I'm on a mission to create a visibility movement for leaders to show their value and be seen for their true talent. Are you ready to take the next step towards a higher level of visibility for yourself? Let's go. The visibility factor is brought to you in part by the Choose Your Life Challenge. Do you feel like it's too late to do something new? You have a good life and your basic needs are met. You have a place to live, a job that provides enough, and friends and family to share it with. But it's all passing by so quickly, and it feels like you're running out of time to do the things you wanted to do. Join Danielle McCombs and Christy Allinger, co-hosts of the Opposite of Small Talk podcast, in a 30-day interactive experience that helps you to live a more intentional life. Through a combination of live sessions, video coaching, and digital social interaction, you will be guided through a series of ideas to explore your mindset and gain confidence to live the life you want. Sign up today by visiting theoppositeofsmalltalk.com forward slash challenge. Use promo code challenge4 for a 20% discount. That's theoppositeofsmalltalk.com forward slash challenge and promo code challenge4. Welcome back to The Visibility Factor. This is Sue Barber, your host. I am so excited today to bring Mark Kenny to my show. Mark comes from a very similar background to my own, and I think he's going to have some amazing things to share about working with organizations and teams. So welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you, Susan. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. Well, I will let you introduce yourself and share with the audience what you're about and your background, and then we'll get started with our conversation. Okay. Well, you already know my name, Mark Kenny. So I work with, right now I work with executive and leadership teams who need to embrace change together so that their organizations thrive and change and disruption. So I do a lot of work with leadership teams and and some other stuff on the side, like leadership workshops, but that's primarily what I do now. And my background is actually in IT. So I started off in IT. Um, and after doing that for a while, started my own software company. And just a small little company, but went into a lot of different organizations, saw a lot of the same sort of problems that leaders were trying to solve with software, but weren't really going to be solved with software. And that that started me on a journey to where I am now, to try and get organizations healthy and uh, teams working together and organizations heading in the same direction. Awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah. So you and me being uh, both from an IT background, uh, we definitely have a lot in common. So Mark, in organizations, are you seeing any um, things from the pandemic that are causing some issues with teams? and how they're working together. Yes and no. So so yes in the sense that um, there are a lot of teams that are feeling disconnected or isolated or just feel like they, they haven't, they're not really going in the same direction or they're tired or they've been overworked um, or they don't really feel like a team. There's a lot of that that I'm experiencing. I don't, I don't know if you're mm-hmm. hearing the same thing. So, so yes, in that sense, but no, in the sense that I don't know that that's really pandemic-induced. The pandemic exacerbated what we weren't doing before. So if we weren't building in the team before, 
then it got that that just got exposed in the pandemic. If we weren't really investing in in developing the team and becoming a cohesive team and aligning around goals, then the pandemic and remote work just exacerbated it because we had to work even harder in the pandemic. So, so, so that's why I say yes and no. Can I do that? <laughs> <laughs> and I agree with you. <laughs> uh, I'm curious, do you think that it's in any way related because a lot of companies are still promoting kind of more of even a hybrid role like a, you can be hybrid or you can be fully remote. Do you feel like that is part of the challenge too? Maybe leaders don't know how to lead a remote workforce? I do think that's part of the challenge. I think that's part of the challenge, yes, depending on how they look at it. So, so I mean, if this is really a team, I and mean, if it's really a team, like like we depend on each other and we've got it we, we have to do work together in order to accomplish something then we can't just be kind of some people hybrid and virtual and, and never have time together with the team that's just not going to work mm-hmm. but not all teams are teams if i could say that some are are work groups and and some jobs you can do on your own and we don't have to do it as a team we just have to get the work done and I think in that case, it's okay, but maybe creating that clarity around what type of work are we doing and do we really need to be a team? For example, if it's a leadership team, boy, we've got to spend some time together because the whole rest mm-hmm. of the organization depends on us being aligned and, and working together. Whereas somebody else, maybe mm-hmm. we're off, I don't know, I don't want to make up something, but, but we're off doing something where I don't really need to engage other people. I can just do my work and move on. Then maybe that's a little different. What do you what do you do with a team who is maybe a senior team who isn't trusting each other, who isn't working well together? What are some of the things that you do first to assess that? And then also what do you do to help them move past that situation? Oh, good question. Well, first of all, it's just talking to the leader and seeing what's going on and maybe a couple team members. Um it, you know, because it's going to take certain things for that team to develop that trust. And that really starts with the leader. So, for example, if the leader isn't willing to be a little vulnerable, if the, if the leader isn't willing to, to put themselves out there and do some of that work, or if the leader doesn't look at it as their job, then there's really not a whole lot that I'm going to be able to, to do. So it always starts with the, with the leader. Um, and then as far as trust goes, um, I, I use... You know, I use various assessments. Uh, for example, I use some Patrick Lencioni assessments and and his five behaviors assessment. One of those is on trust. I love using that with teams because it, it what you get out isn't me saying anything. It's them saying it for themselves, like specific behaviors and how things come out in meetings. And so you really, then it's pretty clear. It's in black and white, or actually it's in red, yellow, green. And uh <laughs> and you just can't escape it, right? It's it's this is what they've said. So I, I, I do use that a lot because then we can have a substantive conversation about about uh, what the situation is and what needs to be done. And I think the second part of your question was how do I lead them through that? So it's a process. A lot of times we'll go through a strategic retreat to initiate that process or to start the conversation about it. Um, but oftentimes it's going through, you know what, Susan, I'm going to back up. There, there's a process to it, and then there's a simple answer to that. The simple answer is 
me coming in and invoking conversation about it. Like, what kind of team do we want to be? What do we need to do different to, to get there? What kind of trust do we have? It really is just having some of those sometimes uncomfortable conversations. And my job is to facilitate the process and get that conversation going. Um, and so some of the ways I do that is, you know, what does it mean to be a team player? What does it mean to show up as to be a good teammate? How are we, how are we doing that? Um, and then how does, and then going back to that assessment, just sharing, hey, here are the behaviors that we said we're not very good at as far as trust goes. We don't say, I'm sorry. We don't ask for help. We, we don't offer ideas. We're more concerned about what other people think are going to respond. How do we show up differently? How, how should we behave differently in meetings? And then, I feel like I'm. this is a long answer, Susan, but then sometimes it depends on where a team's at. There's some very simple trust activities to do just to get to know each other a little better, like a little bit about their histories and you know, what they, why they joined the team in the first place, or even, even who their favorite sports team is, or, I mean, anything to start to share with each other can start to build some of that mm -hmm. trust with yeah, each I, other. I did a couple of those different types of things like you're mentioning there. Uh, one was I asked a bunch of questions and one of the questions was, what is your biggest fear? And it was really fascinating because I think that was the part where they were the most vulnerable and shared like what was really happening. So I was really proud of them for, I know that's not easy to answer. And um, they were willing to go there. And I think it helps the conversation just move in a, in a much better direction. Um, and then the second thing we did was talk about artificial harmony. And uh, I think that's one of the things that to me was most interesting, uh, just learning how to help people start to see that that's even a thing, right? That you're all being so nice and then you're leaving the room and then you're all having silent conversations after <laughs> with individuals, you know, that makes it very difficult yeah. to trust, right? It does. It absolutely does. And that happens a lot where we don't know mm -hmm. what's going on or we're having side conversations or, or it seems all fine, mm -hmm. but really everyone's frustrated. Right. On the surface, it seems wonderful. And then the conversations are happening mm -hmm. elsewhere. What are some things that you've done to help people come back to the room, if you will, right? Come back to the room and have those types of conversations versus doing back channels or, or trying to have them outside of the room. Well, I think that's where the value of, of something like a retreat really comes into play, where you have some dedicated time where we're not leaving. We're, we're, we're staying <laughs> and even setting some rules of engagement ahead of time is helpful. It, like, we've got to work on the team. And so, I mean, we're spending this day to have these conversations and I don't want to say there's no escape from it, but I mean, there's no escape from it. Like, like we need to have some of those, some of those conversations, but I think it's a gradual process. Mm -hmm. Like, like we're not starting with some of the deeper questions and, and what's going on in the team. And it, it may be depending on where the team's at ramping up to it. But at some point, it's poking at the conversation and just asking, like, what, what do people need from each other out of this team? And what do we need to, to be a better team and, um, and to have those types of conversations? And, and inevitably, they, well, here's what I found, is inevitably they start to come out from enough people. And there's a, almost a feeling of, um, it's fair, it can be uncomfortable, but there's almost a feeling of, okay. 
I'm glad we're doing something because I was about to leave. Or I just, I mean, this is just silly. I don't like working here. It doesn't even feel like we're a team. So, So I'm glad, even though it's uncomfortable, it feels like we're moving forward finally. So in that mm-hmm. case, I don't think it's that hard to, to get them to come back if it feels like we're making progress. Mm-hmm. So when you mentioned earlier about the leader doesn't even feel like it's their job to kind of bring a team together, tell me some situations that you've seen like that and what did you do to help that leader maybe come to a different conclusion? Well, I would say, Susan, I can't get them to come to a different conclusion. They got to do it on their own, but I can at mm-hmm. least expose it. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of times they don't have anyone that's saying to them, you know, I, I don't think your your motive is right here. Like, I don't think you see this as your responsibility. It's not HR's job to to um, develop cohesion. Mm-hmm. That's your job. So, so I can expose that and and just tell them what I'm what I'm seeing. Um, a tool that I've used uh, quite a bit recently is um, Patrick Lencioni has this book, and I. Apologies if I use his name a lot. I've, I've studied a lot of his stuff, and it just okay. works, uh, among with some other stuff. But he has this book called The Motive, which which deals with how leaders are either reward-centered or responsibility-centered. And that has provided a good model for um, getting people to see that. And, there's, and, and I have a little assessment that kind of takes that so they can assess themselves or have their team assess them. And it's the... Things like, is the leader, how's the leader doing at developing the team? Um, you know, so it's some things like that, some very clear things where they can get a, um, a sense for, for um, if they're leading from the right motive. So, so those are ways to really get at what, what's really going on here. I mean, do they really care about it? Are we just going th- through the motions to just tick off the fact that we had a retreat? Or do I really see this as a responsibility? <laughs> Are they really going to show up as vulnerable? Are they really going to invest the time it takes to build into the team? And we can have those types of conversations. I feel like that was a really long answer, Susan. Mm -hmm. Tell me I answered your question. No, that's perfect. No, I I think it is the way it works, right? Because I think, you know, you're a coach, I'm a coach. There's always conversations that need to happen. And sometimes those take longer than others. And, um you know, sometimes it's just time. I think sometimes people need to like go through the experiences mm-hmm. a few times and start to have those tough conversations before they can see that maybe they could do something different as the leader. I think sometimes it's very easy to say, well, it's my team's fault, right? Things aren't well, or things aren't working well because of what they did versus looking internally and trusting yourself that you have the right answers and that you can lead this team. I think there's sometimes insecurity, right, that shows up and forces them to to look at things in a different way. And they need to see that it's possible for them to, to lead this team in the best way. And that's some of what you're talking about is helping them do that. Yeah, I think a lot of leaders just aren't like they feel that, but they're not quite sure how to do it or what the process is. Mm-hmm. And so it can be a little refreshing to say, okay, I've got a path to, right. to get to that. But I also think it, it takes, you know, as a leader, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't, I don't want to feel like, oh, I haven't been doing a good job. Or mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be a real inhibitor to, to helping the team get better mm-hmm. if the leader is really protective of that. As I've been in the past, I mean, it's kind of a natural human 
reaction and and emotion, yeah. but I definitely but the leaders that want to do it really can make some progress. Yeah, I definitely remember my first leadership experience. I was probably not doing all the right things at that point. So I generally try to explain to them or use myself as an example. Like I didn't know this at the beginning either, right? There's things you have to learn as you go through these experiences and everything you learn is going to help you become a stronger leader every time. So it's all yeah. a process. And you know, as well as I do that a lot of, a lot of times leaders get or managers get into roles and they've never been there mm-hmm. before and no one's told right. them. So how, right. how could they possibly like they, just magically Possibly know that not. stuff. <laughs> yeah. That would, right. Yeah. Right. And I feel dumb because I'm supposed to know all this stuff, but how, yeah. how, how have you, you ever had an experience where you had a team that no matter what you did, no matter how many retreats you had, you could not bring them together? Um, I haven't had an experience like that, but I have had an experience where uh, I didn't do my homework ahead of time. And so there was, mm-hmm. uh, there were. <laughs> I can just feel what this was like sitting in the room, Susan. Like, like there was a big issue with the team that just blew up in the room. Um, and so that just kind of obliterated our, our purpose. I have had that, that happen before. Um, but that was really on me for not doing my homework and really understanding what was going on with the team. And I was like, I'm never doing that again. I'm, I'm going to be sure and do my... <laughs> right, well... <laughs> Do you think that they would have told you? Yeah, in I advance? think so. I, I, I think so. Because a few things came um, out as we were getting in the room that gave me a little pause. I'm like, hmm, I, I didn't I didn't know that before. Um, you know, where, where did that come mm-hmm. from? Um, because someone had um, asked me to come in and work with this team as opposed and the leader had requested HR for me to, and then HR asked me to come in and work with the team, but I didn't do my diligence with the team and the team leader themselves. This was, this was several years ago. Um, so that's what, that's mm-hmm. what I thought of when you, when you said that, because like I, I screw up too, right? I mean, I'm not always doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We all are learning lessons about this. <laughs> yes. It's not easy. It's not easy. That's why a lot of people don't do it. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, a lot of times I'll see teams that are operating more in silos uh, than in their own, you know, or they don't always think about themselves belonging to a leadership team. They think, well, this is my department. I care about my department. I'm working and focused on them. And, you know, I'm also part of this team, but I don't know that I always think of myself as part of this team. Have you had those types of situations and how do you handle those? I think that's the status quo. I think that's in almost every situation. Mm. Um, and I think it's natural for people to think of their own departments um, and and think of that as their team. Um, and that takes some time to change that mentality. Um, but one thing I'm thinking of, actually, um, I, I had an interview in my own podcast, which I started not too long oh, ago. Congratulations. Um, um, thank you very much. You See, you inspire me, Susan. <laughs> And um, my, my interviewee, he was with Bridgestone, and like that, the answer, one of the answers to your question is we, we've got to have something, a, a goal, and he called it a cultural lever. Mm. Um, and I was just writing about it this morning. That's why it's fresh in my mind. Like, we, we can't just say, change the, let's go change the culture. Um, we need a cultural lever to do that, to change that thinking. 
I mean, we can't just say, let's break down the silos. It's almost like people need a reason mm -hmm. to break down the silos. So what's really helpful and necessary is like this overarching goal or, or what we're pursuing together that we can only accomplish it together. Like we can't accomplish it in our own department, but we have to work together in order to accomplish it. So that's a helpful tool to rally people around a goal like that mm -hmm. and start working together and not just focused on my own department's yeah. agendas. Yeah, I always try to talk about how can you stand for each other's success uh, just as much as your own, right? Everybody cares about their own department, their own people. But at, at a leadership level, there's also, you know, that's a team as well that you need to be a part of and you need to contribute to and and really stand for each other's success. Um, so one problem that one department has can be a problem that everyone can share and support and help if if they're willing to. And I think that's sometimes the challenge that people have. Have you seen that? Yeah, you know, that reminds me of, of um, Alan Mulally's story at Ford. Like, that's exactly what was happening. Like, like they were all siloed, but they were all in this room every week, but everything was great, right? But one... <laughs> But once they're willing to to admit that, then somebody, I just remember the story from his book, like somebody else is like, hey, I can help with that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I have seen that. Um, it's just so hard to get out of that thinking of, well, they're the administrative person or they're the marketing person. I can't really mm -hmm. help with that. So it takes some time to get out of that. But yeah. But, um, but yeah, like I was working with a real estate team earlier this year and it's like, there's real estate people and administrative people, but it's just. But once they once you start really having this goal as a team, it doesn't matter, right? And then it's mm -hmm. like someone that's selling houses can be like, "Oh, I can mm -hmm. help with that." Yeah, everybody can contribute to the to the outcome, right? That they're trying to get to. What do you? Think? I mean, that's what it means to be a right? team, right? That's what it's supposed I mean, to mean, right? <laughs> And, you know, I think an important point in what you're saying, Susan, is sometimes it doesn't seem like a big deal to the folks on a team. But, I mean, you and I have worked in organizations as employees, I think both of us. Um, but the people below you trying to get work done across departments, man, they really struggle if if, if we don't have that mentality of helping each other. At, mm -hmm. at this Plus, level. I think those team members can feel it, right? If my leadership person that I report to maybe doesn't get along with someone else in another department, well, then you're kind of walking on eggshells, yes. you know, working with their team now. And can I communicate that without causing more drama? You know, I think a lot of that happens in organizations and it's not always overt, right? Not everybody's always talking about it, but you just know something's going on, but you don't really know what it is. And so you don't really talk about it. And it just, I think it's just frustrating for people. And then the world we're in now, it's, they're overwhelmed already. They have a lot on their plates and they just want to work. They just want to get their work done and not have all the drama. Yeah. And in even, and the, a little bit related to that is maybe it's not even drama. So yes, I agree with you. And mm -hmm. um, I was doing this leadership workshop a few months ago. And I remember this, uh, this person was saying, I wish that these people in these other departments could be held accountable. But what he really meant was they have completely different priorities and this is really important for the organization to get done, but I can't get their help because they're mm -hmm. working on other stuff that's important to their boss. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and you said the word frustrating, very frustrated. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, accountability seems to be a big word nowadays, too, that I feel like people are saying a lot. Like, I I either don't know how to hold people accountable, or I feel like I'm trying to hold them accountable, or is there any accountability happening at all? Because it seems like no one's delivering what they're supposed to. So it seems to be like a range of things happening in organizations. Are you seeing some of that same thing, too? Yes, Um Sometimes I think we start with accountability and want accountability, and there doesn't seem to be any accountability. Um, but I think some of that is leaders not holding people accountable, sure, but also just like what what are we holding them to? Is there a standard for team culture? Is there a standard for what we're supposed to be focused on? Is that clear if there's not that clarity, then it's awfully hard to hold people accountable. If people don't know what what the overall goal is and people mm-hmm. have committed to that, how can you even talk about accountability until you at least have that as a basis? Yeah. Or and of course, in- going back to what we said earlier, we need trust to be able to even get to that point. So yeah, we're all headed in the same direction, right? If, if we don't know what the outcome is that we're trying to get to, how do we get there? How do we even begin to get there? You know, yes, that's right. You said that so much better than I did, Susan. <laughs> yes. If we don't know, if we're all not going in the same direction, mm-hmm. how can we hold each other accountable mm-hmm. to going in to get there. that direction? Yeah, I think that's what's kind of interesting about our role, you know, like facilitating these kinds of conversations is that we can see everybody's, you know, what they're saying in the room and then help kind of bring together what that means and, and play it back for them a little bit is what I call it. Because I think it's hard when you're in in that moment, you can't see it for yourself. And sometimes it does require someone who can just kind of take it all and say, okay, here's what I'm hearing from here. Here's what I'm hearing from you. Let's figure out how to go forward together in a better way. Yes. And they're so busy, like you said, and overworked that it's harder. It's even probably even harder now mm-hmm. than it. So what would you say, you know, if you kind of look across all the organizations that you've been working with, what do you think the top three issues are in companies right now? Um, In companies. Uh, That is such an interesting question. I mean, there, there are some problems out there that are the obvious answers, like retention and turnover, for example. I know that's a big problem with a lot of companies. I'm just not sure that's the real problem so much as a symptom of, of, of something else. But certainly that is a big problem, uh, turnover and, and retention. People being overworked, I think, is a big, big problem. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm a little biased, but like teams actually being teams, to me, seems like a huge problem these days. Because we're, we're just not working on it or we've used the pandemic or remote work as an excuse or, or whatever. We just like it's just like people don't feel like they're pursuing something together and they feel isolated and disconnected. Yeah, I think the disconnected word is a good one. I think there's disconnection from you know where we're going as a company or what we're doing or what our goals are sometimes. Uh, but also just. I don't know, there seems to be a lot of communication challenges always. And I think that comes back to being a team, being open, speaking about what's really going on and not hiding. Not that they're overtly hiding stuff, but I think it's just because they don't want to look bad or they don't want to share something or be calling someone else out um, because of that 
you know, harmony issue. They're trying to maintain harmony. So I don't know. It's just, there's a lot of challenges. And I think it's incumbent upon having a really strong, great leader to help work through all those things. Because nobody has, there's not one answer for everybody. That's right. That's right. I totally agree with you. I think you're, I think you're right on. It just takes a lot of intentionality mm-hmm. and a lot of work. I mean, it really, mm-hmm. I mean, it really takes some proactive intentionality to, to make that happen. Doesn't, doesn't just happen on its own, especially if you have workers remotely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so I'm curious, uh, since we're talking about visibility on this podcast, <laughs> what have um, some of the things that you've seen with leaders in terms of visibility, what are they doing in companies to either be visible or do they recognize that it's important? Um, you sent me some questions. I was, th- I was thinking about that invisibility. And I think it is mm-hmm. uh, like I'm putting my, my, myself in the role of like a middle manager or something like that to get visibility, which I think is some of the things that you're talking about, like how to people get visibility, right? Um, you know, I think part of it is like they're they're accomplishing something. They're, um, that's one thing that comes to mind. They're, if I could say this, they're doing something embarrassing. And what I mean is like, if you're putting yourself out there and you're, um, trying to get things done in the organization, inevitably you're going to be embarrassed about something. So it almost takes like being willing to to do that because you want to be visible because you want to contribute to the organization. Um, so that's another thing that comes to mind. And three is like intentionally building relationships um, with you know top level leaders. I don't know what it is, but it seems like when I do leadership workshops for like middle managers. And I bring up just the subject about like building relationships with senior managers and how in the world am I going to be visible in the organization if I've got that as a, as a mindset kind of holding me back. So I think folks that are visible are, you know, get past that and almost let go of the outcome, if I will, and just, just build that network of relationships out there, be known. Yeah, I love that. The relationship piece, it's so funny that you bring that up. It made me think, uh, so I'm teaching at a company and it's kind of like new managers or or would-be managers in the next year or two. And one of the things that we talk about is influencing conversations and how to have one and what to, you know, think about and how to plan for it. And one of the things that they have to do in order to graduate is to go actually have one. And so it like when I first said that to them, it's like, okay, in order for you to graduate, you're going to have to have this conversation, just like you did where you sat back. Everybody was like, What? No, 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 I can't do that. That's fantastic. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. we're gonna be here. Yeah. We're gonna support you. You're gonna be great. Yeah. yeah, I've done similar things, Susan. I or I've haven't done some simple as like having a skip level meeting and I even give them questions uh-huh, yes. to ask. But at least they mm-hmm. they can go at it like, hey, I've got this homework and I need to. Right. But at least they're doing it. You can blame it on us. Right. At least it gets them going. Oh my god, that's so funny. Yeah, it's I just and it didn't even occur to me. I literally said it without thinking about it too much when I did it the first time with this group, and I just it came out of my mouth. And, and when I saw their reaction, I was like, okay, this is going to make them uncomfortable, but it's going to be a good thing in the long run. And it was, they all talked about that as like one of the best things that they did out of that program was how much confidence it gave them to do more of those. And I think 
Yeah, so I, I guess I trusted my gut on that. I didn't even think about it before I said it, but I think it was the right thing to do. I love that. Well, how are you? You can't be comfortable if you're not first uncomfortable. You have to do some uncomfortable Correct. things if you're going to be comfortable. So, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. So I go. definitely pushed those buttons for them. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want Susan back. No. Uh, oh, yeah. That was well, so funny. Make a difference. Okay. You're there to push them along. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, it built their confidence for sure. And that was the goal, right? It was to help them become stronger leaders. Right. So I would love to ask you those questions that I sent you in advance and get your answers on them. So okay. we call this the Rise Up and Be Visible Quick Tips section of the interview. Okay. And so the first one is fill in the blank. Visibility is? Kind of cheated and I already answered this a little bit. So what I, what I came up with is, Creating great and embarrassing outcomes that get noticed. Ooh, because <laughs> you know that's the one thing people would try to avoid is embarrassing outcomes. They don't want to fail. They don't want to make mistakes. Yes. But you learn so much from those. And that's that's been me. Like I haven't made when I haven't made an impact, which was took a lo- really a long time to get over. And I still I always have to wrestle with that. Mm-hmm. Is because I'm not willing to do that, mm-hmm. and so I'm not visible mm-hmm. because I'm not willing to be a little embarrassed. I love that. Okay. Do you have advice or a tip that you could share with the listeners on what you have done to be visible? Serve. Just serve. Like, don't worry. Like, in my case, especially what I do now, if there's a need, if there's a client or prospect that needs something or they're struggling with something, or maybe there's a, there is a, um, a need out there, maybe another department or for your boss, or your boss can't make this meeting and you can fill in for them or just, like, just serve. I, I mean, if... Mm-hmm. If I don't get business out of it, I'm still just just serve. If something it doesn't work out the way you want, just serve. Mm-hmm. Like how can you just just serve people out there when you see a need? That's my advice. I love it because then it comes back. You know, it all comes back around eventually, right? You do good things in the world and you help people. I think it does come back um, at some point and may not be right away, but at some point it will come back and help you in some way down the road. So I love that. Yeah, and I think it it also takes some of the pressure off. Like I'm not going mm-hmm. out there because I've got to build this big relationship or right. I have to get this deal or I have I'm just go out there and serve and, mm-hmm. and be. Love it. What is the one piece of leadership or career advice that you've received that's helped you the most? Stop worrying about the outcome. And I can't remember exactly where I heard that first, um, but like, don't worry about what the outcome is because that, I know that's held me back. Uh, whether that's we already talked about being embarrassed or not, or whether mm-hmm. I get this deal or not, or whether the project goes well or this meeting goes well, and just do the absolute best I can and don't worry about the outcome. If I fail, mm-hmm. I fail. Learn from it. Great. Guess what? I'm going to. Fine. Keep, mm-hmm. keep going. Try again. Um, just keep going and not worry so much about the and be consumed by the outcome. Yeah, I love, and I think you mentioned it just a few minutes ago. It takes the pressure off. Right, you can just show up in the best way and not worry about what's going to happen. And I think, in my experience, the the situations that I think I would say I failed or didn't do as well as I wanted to are the ones I learned the most from. Simply by just going through that experience, it taught me so many things that I used then. And you know, now when I'm coaching clients, I can help them start to see what's a little bit different for them about that situation now too. Yeah, I love that. The flip side of that is I'm trying to avoid those situations. And when I try and avoid those situations, 
they inevitably happen because I'm not, I'm more concerned about the outcome than actually doing yeah. a good job. And so, yeah, it's kind of anyway. like where you focus. You so go. if you focus on that so much that you may not show up in the best way, I think that's so true. Okay. What books have you read recently that you would love and recommend? Well, let's see. Uh, let's see the visibility factor. Oh. <laughs> A paid advertisement. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I it took me a while to to read this one. This is Originals by Adam Grant. Oh, mm-hmm. just recently, and you know what? There's some yeah. really good practical things in here for how to make a difference, even when you, you're yeah. not necessarily the the top person, if you will. And then um, I haven't finished this one yet, but I've done a lot of work with this model. Patrick Lencioni just came out with a new one: Six Types of Working Genius. Oh, Working Genius. I love his stuff. I mean, I I love the five dysfunctions of a team and some of his other ones are just amazing. This one kind of rounds out like how to become a, a cohesive team. Like how do we actually do work together? So it's been really, really good for some of the teams I've, I've worked with. So there's a couple for you. Does that have a bunch of like exercises and things in that book to help teams come together? Um, it, it goes over a model and I haven't read the end of it. So um, it's a fable because normally these are fables. So I don't know if it has a lot of exercises, but there's a website associated with it, workinggenius.com that has an assessment. And um, and it's more about like what, what kind of work do we love and that gives us energy and how can we use that on the team to get work done as a team. And what I found out is when you do this with a team, and you, and you kind of put a team map on the wall, you can see where the team is getting stuck. For example, um, like, oh, you know what? That real estate team I mentioned before, it's like, man, we have so many good ideas and we're to make this business fly and then they just stop. Well, that's because, and it just became clear, like they have nobody that really enjoys galvanizing people into action and enabling people to actually do it. And it was just like, so anyway, it's been very practical, very, very practical on how to get work done as a team and move away from the silos and departments to not, I'm the marketing person, or I'm the salesperson, but who can galvanize this team into action? And that's a game changer for people that, at least in my experience, that um, to get them to think differently. Yeah, I love that. I think that's so true. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I was always that person who's galvanizing everyone together. But so to me, it seems natural. But you're right. I think that is such a big challenge if there's no one playing that role. Yeah. Or you're the galvanizer, but maybe there's not anyone that is tenacious to get yeah. over the finish line after. Yeah. Or, or, you know, I mean, there's there's six different types of genius okay. he goes over. So it's. Well, I will check that out. It's brilliant. And I will yeah. list those in the show notes so everybody knows about them. Uh, is there anything else you're working on that you would love to share before we end the interview today? Um, I've got a new podcast called... Oh, yes. Be- Let's talk about your podcast. What's the name of it? And- it's called Becoming Unassailable. So oh. it's like, how do, org- how do organizations thrive despite disruption and, and change? Because those aren't going away. So I'm yeah. just interviewing leaders that have that have done that. So it's been a lot of fun. Just started. It's just a, it's just a season at a time. So... So a season of uh, 10 episodes at a time, and then I'll take a break and do some more later. But that, that's been a lot of fun so far. That is awesome. All right. Well, I will put that in the show notes as well so people can check it out. Um, how can people connect with you if they would like to learn more about you and your work? Uh, my website, markkennyspeaks.com. 
that's K-E-N-N-Y, just one E. I've had to do that my whole entire life. Or <laughs> or on LinkedIn at MarkSKenny.com. I'm sorry, Mark S. Kenny is my profile on, on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, and I know you do a ton of public speaking as, as well. And so um, check Mark out. He is a wonderful human being. And I know that he is doing amazing things, helping teams and organizations. So um, thanks for being on the podcast. I'm so excited to have met you and to really just have spent some time. I think we have a lot in common. It was fun. Thank you for having me, Susan. Of course, yes. So thanks everybody for joining today on the Visibility Factor podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to the Visibility Factor podcast. Remember that visibility starts with small steps that are intentional and consistent each day. Be bold, be visible, be the leader you were meant to be. Find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all of our social media platforms, which are highlighted in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Visibility Factor Podcast.